0: Hello, and thank you for joining us in Finding God in Video Games. And today we are in our second episode of our series on the gift of forgiveness. And the inspiration for today's podcast is an indie game that you may have or may not have heard of. And, you know, it, it certainly didn't have the big development or advertisement budget of, say, like a, I don't know, Call of Duty or Halo. I'm, I'm talking about unpacking. No, not, not not actually, you know, unpacking. It's it's a game. Yes, there's a game called Unpacking. Yeah, because
1: unpacking itself I, is not very fun. If
0: I was talking about actually unpacking, that'd be kind of weird. So,
1: no, and it wouldn't really fit with what no, we're trying to do. No. here. no. But buried in a year of flashy new releases and big budget titles, and of course this was the first real year of next-gen video game launches for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, so you might be forgiven for missing this delightfully low-budget, no-frills puzzler with a message that is unpacking, a game that is, as you probably guessed by now, about unpacking. <laughs> and you know, typically the act of packing and unpacking is one of my least favorite things to do in life. I mean, I, like, I, like it. I would honestly rather try to get microwave tomato sauce stains out of a hundred Tupperware bowls you before would. I ever unpack a box again. Would, but within the confines of this game, the act of unpacking is oddly therapeutic. I mean, unpacking is not just some mere moving simulator with silly physics like games like Moving Out that Mm we played before. This is actually a bit of an understated character study told through the act of going through boxes. You follow one character throughout her life story, and you are responsible for unpacking everything from her original childhood home, her first dorm room, her first apartment, and without spoiling the story too much, multiple other moves throughout her life. And while the gameplay and a The art style ooze simplicity and charm, there's actually surprising depth to the experience. The items in the game aren't simply designed to be placed in specific areas based on their size and weight. Their placement is designed to have a very real correlation with where she is in her life at that point as well. For example... How she is feeling about herself and her life at the time is attached to her memories of each of these objects and what they're representing to her in that moment in time. Her beloved stuffed animals may go in different places based on the stage of her life that she is in. And objects that carry painful memories as she advances through different heartbreaking experiences that we all go through in life may determine not only where they can be placed, but where they cannot be placed. You know, like a picture that represents a heartbreak, can only go into a drawer, not on the wall. And as I considered this game, in which all of these inanimate objects possessed resonance far beyond what their appearance would entail, it got me to thinking about some of the areas of our lives that tend to require some unpacking as we go through each different phase of our life. And within that process, there are areas that we struggle to move on from because of what they represent. Things that continue to haunt us by their mere existence many months or years after the original experience occurred. You know, most of us do a lot of moving in life, literally and figuratively, but the act of unpacking can be not only difficult, but painful because there are things in there that we haven't healed from or moved on from. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because there are painful and unresolved feelings attached to parts of our lives that we can't move on from. Wherever we go, they follow us. Emotional baggage that isn't going to go anywhere until we unpack it and deal with it. You know, In our last podcast, we, just, we talked about the importance of forgiving others and pressing reset in their lives. This time, we're going to take a deeper dive into forgiveness by looking at what we do in those situations in which our offender has not asked for forgiveness.
0: You know, I'm I'm actually really excited to dig deep into this because, you know, it's already hard enough to forgive someone who's already hurt us and apologize. But, you know, what if they haven't? What if they never do? You know, what if they're no longer with us anymore? And as a result, it's not like we can, you know, seek absolution or restoration with these people, you know what I mean?
1: Well, that's true. You know, these feelings don't simply move on just because those people did. Right. The hurt is still real. The pain they caused may still be present, and our spiritual life can still be impacted by the bitter root of resentment that we still carry from that experience. And to answer those questions, we are going to one of the most commonly quoted and perhaps most misunderstood verses in all of Scripture. So buckle up.
0: I'm excited. Let's see what it is. (laughs) Luke
1: chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, "'Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Mm -hmm. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together.' Running over will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, before we even begin to dissect this, we do need to look at the word judge in that verse when it says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. So the word judge in the original Greek is from the root word krino. The definition of this is to distinguish properly or decide either mentally or judicially by implication to try condemn or punish, avenge, conclude, condemn, decree, and so on. It's, it's very much a legal term in that sense. Now this verse has been used broadly for many years in a variety of ways to support many different viewpoints on a great many things. But if we're going to keep it within the proper context This is a legal term referring to the act of making a permanent decision of condemnation with punitive implications. And Christ is making it very clear that the greater context of what he is speaking about is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally in the third sentence. (laughs) It's
0: right there.
1: (laughs) He, He said, forgive and you will be forgiven. This is all within the exact same thought how are we supposed to forgive? Well, he says that too at the end of the thought in the same way we want to be forgiven in an abundant overflowing more than we could have possibly asked for, hoped for measurement. Now you might be asking, what does this have to do with people that never apologized to you know, us?
0: I was, I was low key thinking that, but I didn't want to say it. <laughs> well, you're
1: thinking what everyone's probably thinking. Well, I'm glad you remember what we're talking about, because in order to answer that question, I'm personally going to have to open up a little bit first. Now, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've sinned against people. I've made many selfish decisions, and they've had negative consequences, not just for the person I hurt, but perhaps people I didn't even know I had hurt or offended. For extended periods of my life, I was not living for the Lord. And as a result, there are probably people that I am not even aware of that I impacted negatively. And in the Lord's infinite mercy and grace, I have found and received full and total forgiveness from him for the many, many, many selfish and foolish sins that lie in my past. There are some I may not recollect. There are others that I cannot go back and make right. But you know what level of forgiveness I want from the Father? I want absolute forgiveness for everything that I know I messed up and for those things that I didn't even know I messed up, for everyone that I've hurt and for those I may not even realize I have hurt. And because that is the measure of forgiveness that I want to receive from him, that is the measure of forgiveness I must be willing to give. I want forgiveness for all of my sins, so I must be willing to forgive everyone of all of theirs as well, overflowing abundantly, far more than what was asked for or deserved, with no strings attached.
0: You know, I'm glad that we're actually talking about this because it's it's funny, you know, as a person from the outside, I never really thought about that in that way, that I would want to forgive somebody as much as you know, I had been forgiven. Like I'd want people to forgive me for things that I didn't know that I would need forgiveness on, you know, if I had done something bad and had no idea I did, or for people that, you know, I simply can't go back to and say, Hey, can you forgive me for this? I would hope for my, my personal self that they would forgive me. So you're, you're totally right.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> that, there's another verse know? that, that also, because you know some people say, well, but they need to come and ask for my forgiveness. Okay. Well, let's look at Mark mm-hmm. chapter 11, 25 and 26. And this is Jesus once again, Saying, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's a powerful that verse. one says it as directly yeah. as you possibly could. Now, it doesn't say in that moment to dial them up on the phone and see if they're sorry. I know they didn't have phones back then, but he didn't say go racing off to them either. It doesn't say to check their social media to see if they're still acting like a fool. It says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. You know, that kind of covers all the bases. And once again, we see the same principle that he talked about earlier at work here. Our level of forgiveness from the father runs in a direct ratio to the level of forgiveness we extend to others. It doesn't say they apologize. They may not even be sorry. But we aren't forgiving them for their sake. We -hmm. are forgiving them for our sake. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate to myself here. Someone might say, what about that verse that says, don't cast your pearls before swine? And that is a true verse, but consider this. While Jesus was hanging on his cross, he did not use his limited time and strength trying to convince everyone that even though they had made a mistake, he would still forgive them. Right. There's no record of Jesus chasing Pilate down and telling him, even though he signed off on his execution, they're still cool.
0: Right. He
1: didn't even go around letting everyone know who killed them, that they were forgiven after his resurrection. He simply asked his father to forgive them. Mm -hmm. This is not a call to go tracking down everyone who has ever hurt us and inform them that we have forgiven them. And honestly, unless the spirit has specifically led us in that direction, that interaction could go very poorly. (laughs)
0: This (laughs) is about
1: releasing them from what they have done, not because they are apologetic. They may never be. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they deserve it because none of us do. But because the level of forgiveness we want from our father is absolute mercy and grace for all of our sins, we must go and do likewise. So unpack that box today, not for them, but for you. Mm -hmm. If we want to be like Christ, we must remember that as he innocently suffered and died for the sins of others, he had one thing to say about it. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do.
0: We truly hope that this has encouraged you today. And if you would like to connect with us or check out some of our other content, such as our videos, our articles, daily devotions, and gaming streams, we can be found at Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and also TikTok. So check us out.